Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. And so it's been very good. Great presentation, Brother Thomas. I tell you, I said this one night this week or maybe Sunday sometime or another. His father was the first missionary or second missionary I ever met. And I was impressed. Couldn't understand hardly anything he said. Uh, But what I did was I just got closer and paid better attention. And I got a lot out of what he had to say. And I I just loved his son and their family and just been a real joy. I have a good friend of mine that texts me something every Sunday morning. And most of the time it's just stuff. You know, he says, this guy said this and this guy said that. And it's cool to read, but it doesn't stick with me. But about uh, a month or two, maybe three months ago, he texts me this on a Sunday morning. The good news is only good news if it gets there in time. Boy, that's stuck in my heart. I'm telling you, if you don't get it there in time, it doesn't help anybody. And so we're very thankful that we have opportunity to do exactly that. And that is get the good news around the world right now. We don't have any time to waste. Uh, These countries are closing. And it's not just India. They're closing all over the world uh, to American missionaries. And therefore, we have to go around the uh, the different way. I had the great privilege of going to Seoul, Korea and helping them set up a missions office uh, with the Independent Baptist there. And I went over there and I preached a, a meeting and we set up a, a missions uh, office like ours and showed them how to do it and how to help the missionaries and so on and so forth. And, and <clears throat> on the last Sunday I was there, they sent their first missionary into inland China. See, the Koreans can go to inland China. You can't. And this is how we're going to get this job done, is we're going to have him train the Indian people, and they're going to go win India for the Lord. That's how it has to be done. But he's got to have the money to do it, folks, I'm telling you. Uh, What a great ministry. Uh, And if you just want to say how many souls I get for my dollar, there's where you want to put it. Come on, say amen. Brazil's where you want to put it. I don't know about you, but I was touched by that presentation by our missionary from Brazil. And I'm telling you folks, we've got these young guys that are going over there and by faith they're going to do the same thing. And this is awesome. I just praise God for it. I uh, just love missions conference. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9 and stand with me if you're able. I'm just going to read a few verses and uh, we're going to have prayer together. And then I want to talk to you about this very important thing about why, oh why, Are there so few laborers? Here's what the Bible says. In verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness if they had the faith to believe. And every... Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what that says, is it? No, he healed them all. All of them. Every one of them. I, I love that every time I read it. And he healed them all. And the Bible says, uh, of every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, 
because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Lord, we love you tonight. I pray that you'd open the windows of heaven and allow me to preach the message that you've laid on my heart. And Lord, you know we've spent time praying and asking you to do something special tonight. Because I believe that you want more laborers in the harvest. And so I pray, God, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to uh, move me uh, to preach and allow the Holy Spirit to move these as they hear the preaching. And, Lord, that you'd do something special in the lives of these people. Thank you for what we've already seen tonight from India. Lord, we praise you for what we've already seen from the other missionaries this week. It's a joy to see what you're doing around the world, and we know you want to do more. So I pray you'd bless as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Bible says in verse number 36, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. And I have to say to you tonight, I think one of the weakest points that we have as fundamental Baptists is compassion. And I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to all of us. I believe that's one of our weak points. Because we somehow got the idea, if I feel sorry for somebody, that's compassion. The definition of compassion is moved by the need of others with the desire to do something about it. If you have no desire to do anything about it, you have no compassion. And I tell you, as you look at these uh, millions and millions of people in India and uh, millions of people in Brazil and millions of people in other places, as God allows your eye to see the need... It ought to bring compassion into your heart with a desire to step up and do something about it. Because the Lord explains to us as he does here, he said to us, uh, he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes because they had three very distinct problems, just like our world has today. They were scattered abroad. They fainted, as he said, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no Shepherd. The Bible says they fainted, and the reason they fainted is because of their sin. Do you understand the shackle of sin on this world, where people are actually throwing their children to the crocodiles? I was thinking to myself, as he said, these alligators and crocodiles are one of their gods. I would worship them from afar. I wouldn't worship them real close. You see, it's so funny to me uh, that they won't kill a cow, because that might be their ancestor. Now listen, if you were so bad in this world that you was reincarnated as a cow, wouldn't it be better for them to go ahead and kill you and let you start over? Wouldn't that make sense? It does to me. I'm sure they wouldn't see it that way. But listen, we have to understand these people are burdened by sin, and sin has overcome them. We understand what the Bible has to say about the sins of man. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, we lost our idea of what we're trying to reach to. God said you're a sinner, not just because of what you do, but because you can't get to the glory of God. Nobody can. And therefore, we have a serious problem. And it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are, you're always short of the glory of God. Of God. And then the Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. 
That's talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. It's talking about separation. Folks, I'm telling you, these people out there all over the world are bound by sin and they're fainting because of their sin and they're dying and going to a devil's hell. And we have the answer. And they will listen. You know, sometimes people say, well, they won't listen. They do listen. They do. Now, not all of them will, but thousands of them have through the Thomas ministry. They've listened and they believed and they got saved. I tell you, when I was in Argentina, we, I had a maniac for a missionary partner. He was, uh, I, I can't even describe what he was. All we ever did was eat and sleep and talk about winning people to Jesus. That's all we ever did. And he had this harebrained idea and he's always having crazy ideas. He got this church in California to send us 2,500 paper cowboy hats with the name of the church on it. And I said, preacher, what are you going to do with that? He said, I'll show you. We got on and everything was really cheap there. So we got on the TV, we got on the radio, and we advertised we're going to give away cowboy hats if you'll come to this soccer stadium on a Sunday morning. So I thought, oh, well, that sounds great. So we're going to uh, bust them in and bring them in. And, and we had uh, those 2,500 cowboy hats, and we showed them what they looked like so they wasn't coming expecting a real cowboy hat. But they flocked in there. I was standing at the door, and I had the counter. When I got to 3,000, I said, we are in big, big trouble. I got over 3,000 people in this soccer stadium, and we got 2,500 cowboy hats. I went to the crazy missionary, and I said, what are we going to do? I love his answer, and I've never forgot it, and I've never been fretful about anything again. He said, we better pray at least 500 of them get saved. What an answer. And I'm telling you, we had this little Argentine guy about this tall. His name was Dante Garcia, and he was a fireball. He got up there and preached the gospel to these people, and they started flooding down to the to the football field uh, down there where we had it all set up. And my Spanish was so bad, uh, but I could win somebody to Christ. So I took three of them, and it took me forever, but I led those three to Christ. And I did that one section after another for 45 minutes. And, of course, I didn't win very many because it took me a long time. Everybody else was doing the exact same thing. And when we got all through, the missionary stood up, and we'd been winning these people of Christ. And I said, what happened? He said, I don't know. They all left. I don't know how many people got saved there, but the best we counted was 700. I've had people say, you think they really got saved? I think they had a chance. And that's what we're trying to do is give them a chance. Just to hear the gospel and believe because they're sinners and they're in need of forgiveness of their sin. And the Bible says they were, they fainted. And then the Bible says not only did they faint, uh, but they were scattered abroad. Can I tell you our world has no direction at all? They're scattered abroad. We live in an age in America just like they did in the book of Judges. Everybody does that which is right in their own sight. And if they don't think it's wrong, it's just not wrong. That is not true. There is a right and there is a wrong. And there's definite right and definite wrong. And I'm telling you, this world is in a, in a situation where they just are scattered and they have no hope. But John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
And if we get the gospel to them, we can give them some direction in their life and they'll understand what they're supposed to do. And I'm telling you that when you get somebody saved in America or anybody else and they really get it, man, their life changes. They begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's so exciting. Uh, I had this one uh, guy that I led to Christ in Argentina. And uh, most of the Argentine people are about my son's size. He's 5'8", and they're mostly like that. But there was one guy there uh, that I met who was 6'2". And I'm telling you, he stuck out like a sore thumb. And he, I caught him in a crowd. I just walked up and started talking to him. And he actually spoke English. I couldn't hardly believe it. And I led that guy to Christ, and I'm telling you, that guy became a suicidal maniac winning people to Jesus. Everywhere he went, they're scared of him. They're scared not to do it. It was amazing. You see, these people need an opportunity to know which direction to go because they have no hope if they have no direction. And then the Bible says uh, they uh, fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They have nobody to guide them. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to see what God can do in the lives of people. Don't you love it? One of the greatest privileges I believe God gives us is to win people to Christ, see people get saved, and watch God do stuff in their life. Amen. That's one of the greatest privileges that we have. And I am so thankful that God lets us do it. And then he said this. He said unto his disciples, verse 37, The harvest truly is plenteous. Anybody not believe that? Hello out there. They're everywhere. I'm telling you, you just got to get out of your seat and go find somebody. I'm amazed at how many people think, well, I don't know anybody. I don't either. But just go talk to them. I'm amazed how easy it is. You don't, you don't just start out. I was out knocking on doors. I was up preaching a missions conference uh, in Indiana. And we was walking down this uh, area of town uh, where they were trying to start a bus route. And so it wasn't a very nice area. Of course, to be honest, I didn't find a nice area in that town. I don't, maybe they had one, but I never saw it. And uh, I knocked on this door, and this guy came to the door with no shirt. And everywhere I could see, he had a tattoo. And everywhere he didn't have a tattoo, he had a hole in him. And he looked at me, and he said, what do you want? I said, man, I just want to come and tell you about Jesus. He's just about to say, I'm not interested. I said, hey, is that a ninja motorcycle? He said, yeah. I said, man, those things are really fast, aren't they? How fast you drove that thing? He said, well, I chickened out at 160. I'm sitting there thinking, you better get saved, Bubba. <laughs> I spent 10 minutes inviting him because of a dumb motorcycle sitting there. Hello? You just pick out something and start talking about it, and that always leads to Jesus. There's so many opportunities. I, I was preaching a message similar this one time, and I told our church at Liberty, I said, now listen, here's what you want to do. You go into Walmart, and they have jackets and stuff in there. Stick a track in the pocket. I wish I hadn't said that, because those knotheads went and put one that had our church name on it. The manager of Walmart called me and said, what are you doing? I said, what are you talking about? We found tracks all over our store in, in clothing. So I'm going to suggest to you, if you do that, don't put one in there that's got the church name on it. There's opportunities everywhere. The Bible says the harvest, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now let me ask you a question. Don't you find that very disturbing? 
that the laborers are few. I believe this is one of the saddest statements in the entire Bible. The harvest is out there. It's ready to be harvested. But there's nobody to harvest it. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you. And I want you to hear me now. I want you to think about what I'm about to say. Hear me good here. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. What is His promise? Whosoever will. He said, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You believe God means that? Then you tell me why there's only two missionaries in Mexico City. You tell me why you can go to the Philippines or you can go to any other country in this world. You can go all over the state of Texas and find cities that have no Baptist church in them. You tell me why that's true. If God wants everybody in this world to be saved, and we believe He does, and they can't get saved without a preacher who preaches the gospel to them, then why, oh why, is there not five million jillion preachers in the world? Why aren't some of you doing it? Why aren't some of you guys doing it? Well, preacher, I don't want to be a preacher. They're all poor. Only financially. We're the richest people in the world, I promise you. These missionaries are the richest people in the world. Ask them. Have you ever noticed? I have a real good friend of mine that was a missionary in Haiti. A missionary in Haiti. Any of y'all ever been to Haiti? Don't. It's an awful place. And he has a lovely wife by the name of Marilyn. He at that time had four little kids about this big. And he stood up on my platform in Louisville and said, I can't wait. Please help me go to Haiti. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? That place is awful. But you know why he wanted to go to Haiti? The Bible says in Psalms chapter 37, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desire of your heart. That don't mean he'll give you what you want. It means he'll make you want what he wants. You know why people go and do these things? Because God asks them to, tells them to. But they've got to obey what God says. And I'm going to tell you tonight, and I'm going to try not to be mean about it. I'm going to tell you why there's so few laborers. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Young people, would you please listen to me tonight? I've preached a lot of youth camps. I've preached three of them this last summer. And I asked every kid that would come and talk to me. They don't always talk to me. Sometimes they run from me. Because I'm a little weird. I know that. But the ones that talk to me, I asked every one of them. So I'm going to ask all of y'all tonight. Everybody in this auditorium, I'm going to ask you, what has God called you to do? And don't you tell me nothing. And you can't tell me you don't know either. Hello. Isaiah chapter 6 is such an awesome chapter. Man, it's so wonderful. I, I just read it and love it and read it and love it and read it and love it. Preach it every chance I get. Now I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. This is so great. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now why would he say that? Because he wants you to understand this situation that's about to take place in his life is a definite time. There's a definite time in my life when God called me to preach. There's a definite time in my life when God saved me. And when God does business in your life, there's a definite time and you remember it. You never forget it. So that's why he said that. Because Isaiah had a definite time. The year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. What an animal. Woo! I'm going to see one of those one day. And he said, one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. You reckon Isaiah saw something cool? And then he said, just like all of us would have to say if this happened, Woe is me! You stand in the front of a holy God, you've got no other place to go but on your face. I know we live in a world where people think, I'm going to talk to him face to face. No, you're not. You're going to talk to him face to feet. Amen. Because he's a holy God. He said, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand which he had uh, taken with the tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sins are purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You know what's going on in our world? We don't have enough people standing up saying, Here am I, Lord, send me. Oh, preacher, I'm too old. I'm too dumb. I'm too slow. I'm too thin. It don't matter. All you got to do is hear the voice of the Lord. But see, here's the problem. I could probably ask many of you in here tonight, and if, and if I'm stepping on your toes, I'm not sorry. I could ask many of you in here what God's called you to do, and you would give me the answer that 90% of these teenagers give me. I don't know. Why don't you know? Now, I want you to think logically with me now. Are you with me? I'm going to give you some logic. If God wants everybody to be saved, and He does, Right? Why would he not call enough people to do that? Why? Well, let me just fill you in. He would. What's the problem, preacher? People are not listening. They're not listening. I've had people say, you know, preacher, God talked to me years ago, but I'm too old now. No, you're not! I have a couple that uh, come talk to me one day. I don't know, it's been seven, eight years ago, maybe. And they said that exact thing. You know, preacher, God called us into the ministry when we were young, and we didn't do it, but we're going to do it now. They're retired. And you know what they're doing? They're growing around the world, taking over missionaries' ministries so they can go home on furlough. <laughs> I said, why did you decide to do that? He said, finally, I got in a position where God would speak to me again, and he called me again, and here I am. I'm not saying no again. Now, the reason people are not listening is because they're not in a position to hear it. I'm going to give you three things real quick. Well, I don't do anything real quick. I take that back. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, if you're going to hear the voice of God, you're going to have to see who God is. We've got God in such a little bitty box. 
I want you to know our God is high and lifted up. He's God Almighty. And all, He is so holy that they call Him holy, holy, holy. He is so holy that He created a whole being of angels just to fly around and say He's holy. You know how holy a God is that does that? How? Woo! You see, we've got Him down here. Well, you know, I can serve Him or not. It just really don't matter. Yes, it does. He's a holy God. And He's high and lifted up. And he's above all. And he's not your father upstairs. He's God. And that's why so many people are not hearing what he's saying. Because they don't have him on the throne as God. They got him as their big brother. And their best friend. And all these other kind of things. Listen. He's God. He's high and lifted up. He's seated on a throne. He rules the universe. And he calls people. And that's one of the reasons why. So many people, God wants to do stuff and they won't do it. Well, nobody, God never called me. Get him high and lift it up. Get him high in your life. Get him number one in your life and become the most important thing in your life. And you know what that means? That means he's got to be more important than you. Amen. Isn't it interesting that when the Lord's talking about husbands and wives... He says to the husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Because no man ever hated his own flesh. That came right straight from God. God knows us. You know the most important person in almost everybody's life is? Them. It's me. I want what I want. I don't want to give my lot to go to India. Did you see how many people there was over there? And it's scorching hot. You gotta be kidding. I'm telling you, if God calls you and you surrender and go, it'll be the greatest place on the planet for you. You see, the reason people are not listening is because they don't have God high and lifted up. What is God to you? Is He just somebody you come and sing about on Sunday? Or is He your all in all? Is he the most important thing in your life? Now, I don't mean to be ugly, but if you don't have him high and lifted up, he's not going to talk to you. And you're going to go through your whole life not even knowing that he wants you to go do something because you don't have him high and lifted up. Secondly, I want you to notice that. Not only did Isaiah find out who God was, but he had to decide who who he was. (laughs) Woe is me! I'm a sinner undone. I'm telling you, I've never seen God call somebody to preach one time that, that, that God really called them to preach. And they said, well, God's lucky to get me. Me and God, we're going we're gonna to win the world. No, no, let me tell you what everybody does when God calls them. You sure, Lord, I can't do that. That's exactly right. And if you think you can, Amen. you're in big trouble. Amen. I know when God called me to preach, I thought God was kidding you can't call me. I've, been, I've only been saved a short time. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know anything about people. I don't know anything about anything except I love you, Lord. And I'll never forget. I went and told my preacher. I said, preacher, how do you know when God calls you to preach? Listen to me. This is what he said. Lightning bolt's going to strike you. And you're going, no, that's not what he said at all. He said this. Well, now, Brother Webster, if you ask that question, he's already called you. 
That wasn't the answer I wanted. I wanted him to say something great was going to happen, some earthquake or something. And I said, well, if that's all there is to it, what do I do? He said, just get down to the altar and tell him you'll do it. I said, that's it. He said, yeah, that's it. And I said, well, go with me. He said, I ain't going with you. Go do it yourself. I already answered my call. So what would you do, preacher? I went down to the altar and said, God, I know you're calling me to preach, and I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it because I'm just a sinner, and I can't do anything. And he said, now I got you right where I want you because you can't do anything. He don't want you to do anything. He wants you to let him do it. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, when you let him do it, it gets done. I have never, and I know we use this term, and I'm not being critical of the term, but I've really never won anybody to Christ. All i ever done is show the gospel to them, and the Holy Spirit drew them to Christ. And I'm not, I'm not against that term. I know what we mean by that term. But you see, when you realize you can't do it, yeah, you're right where God wants you. <laughs> I've never met anybody that ever surrendered to preach and ever preached or ever went anywhere and did anything that thought they could do it. But God just lets you take one step. And I surrendered. And so the preacher said, the preacher said, well, how'd it go? I said, well, I told the Lord uh, I would do it. And I believe that's what he wants me to do. He said, all right, you're preaching Wednesday night. Now, I, I promise you, I've never done that to anybody. I was so scared. I'm, I've been shot at. I've been, I can't even tell you all the bad stuff that's happened to me. And I never was as fearful as I was that night when I had to preach. But I decided if I had to go through that and God was going to make me do it, I was going to invite everybody I could to that service. So I invited my aunt, my uncle, my mom, my stepdad, I had a whole bunch of my friends that I used to do stuff with. I had all these people come and I said, listen, you want to see something amazing? You come and watch me preach. It was amazing. So I prepared and I prepared and I wrote about 12 pages of notes. If I had that sermon tonight, we'd be here till tomorrow morning. It took me six and a half minutes. I preached the whole thing. I gave the invitation and we had six adults got saved and one of them was my mom. I told the preacher, then nothing to this. You just get up and say anything. They'll come. I knew I couldn't do it, but God sure did. And the most amazing thing happened that night. You know how the preacher did. He got all these six people down there and got me and my wife standing down here on this end. And I'm standing on the outside edge. I look way back in the back corner, and my Uncle Lester was there. Meanest man I ever knew. He got thrown in prison twice in Oklahoma for killing somebody in a bar. He was crazy. And I was scared of him. I know y'all not scared of anybody, but I scared of him. And for whatever reason, these people are lining up to come and shake our hands, and he got in the line. I had no idea what this crazy guy was going to do. So I just sat in there praying, praying, Lord, please help me say the right thing. Help me say the right thing. Help me do the right thing. He come and took me by the hand, and I said, Uncle Lester, don't you want to get saved too? He started bawling. Yeah, I do, I do. You ever had anything like that happen to you? Let me tell you something. If nothing ever happened to me other than that, it would be worth everything I've done. But God's done stuff all along. 
Not me, but God. Hallelujah. Then second, thirdly, I want you to notice this. Verse 5 says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And notice this. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You know what he's saying? I saw who God is. I saw who I am. And now I saw the need of others that are just like me. You know, sometimes after you've been saved a while, you forget where God brought you from. And you see somebody look just like you, and you look down on them. Hello? You forgot where God brought you from. You see, when you get a vision, you know why we have missions conferences? You know why we have missionaries get up here and show you videos and show you people and show you they got this person saved and they're training this person? You know why? Because your eye affects your heart. And you see the need. And if you have any compassion at all, you say, hey, I'll get involved in that. You got to see the world as they really are. Lost and undone. It's amazing how many people will get saved if they hear the gospel instead of what they've heard all their life. I was uh, redoing the finances at our church in Louisville, and I was went down to see the banker because I don't remember we were trying to get a uh, renew our loan, get a better interest, and so on. And so this lady was in her office, and I went in to talk to her. She's filling out the papers. And she asked me, how many masses do you have a week? And I said, well, we don't have masses. We have church services. She said, well, what do you do at these church services? I said, I preach the Bible. And I tell people how to go to, he- how to, go to heaven. And she said, you know how to do that? I said, yes, I do. Can I tell you? She got up and shut her door and locked it. And said, please, tell me. Next 35, 40 minutes, she was what you know she was. So I started in Genesis and explained the whole thing to her. Got right down to the end. And she said this. You give me a lot to think about. I'm going to think about it. I said, okay. But before you say you're going to quit with this conversation, I just got one question to ask you. So while I was telling you, was there something inside of you telling you you better do what he's saying? She said, yeah, how'd you know that? I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And you better do what he said. So she accepted Christ as her Savior. They're just waiting on you. They're all just alike. You got rich ones and poor ones and tall ones and short ones. They all just need the gospel. You say, they all going to believe? No. But some of them will. Now, I want to give you this just so I don't misguide you here. Now, once he's in this position, he saw God, he saw himself, he saw the need. And then verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Now he's ready to hear what God has to say to him. And he said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, God never makes anybody do it. And he won't make you. You can spend your whole life sitting in that chair and giving and just acting like you love the Lord and you may, I don't know, and never know what God wants you to do because God won't make you do it. But when you get into a position to hear the voice of the Lord, here's what God wants you to do. Hear my, send me, I'll do it, Lord, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I don't know how, but I'll do it. Is that what happened to you, Brother Cox? Absolutely. 
That's exactly how every preacher got where they are. They had to volunteer. Brother Thomas talked about that tonight. He wanted to be a doctor. And God said, nope, I want you to be a different kind of doctor. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to give you one more thing, really. This is really funny. Well, okay, preacher, if I surrender and I hear the voice of the Lord and I say, okay, Lord, here am I, send me. How long do I have to do that? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 11. Then said I, how long? I asked the Lord that when I surrendered. How long I got to do this, Lord? Do I got to do it till I'm 30? How about 40? Hey, can I, can I quit when I get 70? How long? Well, the answer is really cool. Listen to this. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. <laughs> Where's the getting off place, Lord? There isn't one. You know, I, people ask me, so, well, preacher, how's retirement going? I have no clue. I'm working as hard now as I ever have and don't intend to stop. I love it. Let me tell you this. There is no quitting place. Amen. Now, there's a lot of people's quit, but they didn't, they're not supposed to. Amen. I've never seen a happy quitter. Right. Amen. So God said, put yourself in a position where I can talk to you. And then you volunteer. And God's not going to call all of you to preach. He might call if some of you just get your van and go fill it up with kids. He might call some of you just to get out there and be a soul winner uh, and really excited about the things of God. He might call some of you to sing in the choir. He might call some of you to do other things. But I'm telling you one thing. He doesn't call anybody to sit there and just sit there. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to tell you one story. This was so cool. I was preaching a missions conference for Sam Davison when he was in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And you know, Sam, he has this opinion that when you go to church, you don't go to get out. You go to get in. And so he don't care if he has three, four-hour services. He's not interested in how long it goes. And so at this missions conference, he was every, every night, he'd have a missionary give his test, uh, preach, and then have another missionary give his testimony, and then I'd preach. He had the night, this one night, and we had this guy from Mexico, a little bitty, uh, short, kind of chunky dude. And I'm telling you, that guy could preach. He preached about 30 minutes, just really hoed the corn. I mean, it was awesome. And then this missionary to Japan got up, and he said, My father pastors a huge church up in uh, the Tory area. His name is Dick Freeman. And he said, The church got together and was going to send him to the Holy Lands. And he said, uh, Instead of sending me to the Holy Lands, would you send me to Japan to see my good friend of Aaron Rodgers? He said, we've been friends. I was at seminary in Fort Worth, and they, at those days they'd come and raise a bunch of money and just go and wait till the money ran out, and they'd come back and get some more and do it like we do it now. And he said, I was so moved by Brother Rogers, I went back to my room, and I got all my rent money and all my food money, and every penny I had, I gave it to him. And he said, from that time forward, we were really good friends. And he said, would you send me over there instead? And they said, well, okay, we don't care, just well." We just want to tell you how much we love you. So they sent him to Japan. His father preached all over Japan. And then the last night he was there, 
the missionary brother Roger said, I'm going to take you down and let you preach at the first person I won to Christ in Japan. He said, you might even say I won him with your money. He said, I got up and I preached. And he said, man, the Holy Spirit came into that place. And afterwards, that man come up and gave me a love offering. What was the exact same amount that I'd give that missionary all those years before. He said, I was so moved. His father said, I was so moved that I fell on my face. And I said, God, I'm too old to go to Japan, but would you call my son? Would you call my son to go to Japan? He said, that's why I'm in Japan right now. Now catch this. Don't miss this. He said, I was my father's faith promise. He said, what'd you do, preacher? Well, I looked at the pastor, and I took this thing, and I put it off, and I said, I'm not getting up there and mess that up. He gave the invitation. People were going back to the nursery, getting their kids and bringing them, laying on the altar. So I'm going to give my kids as a faith promise. Where did that spirit go? So many people in our churches now don't want their kids on the mission field. They don't want their kids in the ministry. They want them to have money and wealth and fame. Listen, your kids need to do what God tells them if they're going to be happy. I know what it feels like. My son went to Argentina and had the two-year-old daughter. She's a third-year student at Heartland now, but she was two years old. They lived at our house for a, the whole time she was alive, almost. And every day I'd come home. Her name was Kirsten. And she'd say, Papa, can we have a pickle? And I'd go in the refrigerator and I'd get her pickle and we'd eat it and we'd love on each other. They got ready to go to Argentina back before 9-11. They let you go out to the airplane. I'm standing there and Roy and Jennifer's about to leave. And she looked at me and she said, Papa, Papa, please take me home. Don't tell me what it does to your heart when you send your kids to the mission field. I also know that he won probably five, six, seven hundred people to Christ while he was down there. Hey, is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, you know what she's doing? She's going to Heartland so she can be a missionary. And when I take her to the airport, it's going to break my heart. Come on. But my God is greater than what I want. And I'm going to be honest. I'm the most blessed man in the world. I have nine grandchildren and one in heaven that makes ten. All seven out of the nine of them has already surrendered to the ministry. The other two is not quite old enough yet. Hey, why? Because when they were little bitty kids, I saw their mom and dad take them and lay them on the altar. Say, God, please take my kids. Now, you go ahead and be selfish and keep yours. It'll never turn out right. And don't worry. God's not going to send them there if he don't want to. But if he does want to, you sure don't want to stop them from doing it. Of course it's hard. Oh, my word. It's horrible. But I got over it. Except when I talk about it. Hello? Is God worth it? He's high and lifted up. And he's almighty God. And he's worth everything you've got, including your children. I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How important is God to you? 
Has he ever called you to do anything? Has that still small voice ever led you to do anything? You put yourself in a position, he will speak to you. But you've got to be real quiet because remember, it's a still small voice. He's not going to yell at you. You've got to tune in. Listen to what he says. Young people, you've got to listen to what he says. You want to do what God wants you to do because that's the only life that brings you joy. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. And Lord, I want to remind my own self every chance I get that you are almighty God and you're holy, holy, holy. And you are worth, worthy of any sacrifice that we would make. We love you, Lord. Lord, would you speak to these dear folks tonight? I've prayed much about this sermon. Lord, there may be some teenagers here that would just listen tonight and they'd say, Hear my Lord, send me. There may be some married couples, even some older folks. It's never too late to say, Hear my Lord, send me. Would you speak to us tonight? Oh, with that still small voice, ring true in our heart as we bow ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Now listen, you need to hear from God. God Almighty wants to speak to you. And if you'll let him, he will. But he's not going to do it sitting in that pew or in those chairs. You do what God have you do as we sing. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily live I surrender
Webster. Thank you for the message tonight. Man, that, that, that didn't do something to you, you know, if you didn't feel the Holy Spirit there. Uh, man, really, just awesome. And uh, amen. I'm appreciative the Lord called me to preach when I was 15 at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp and heard the call and surrendered the call. And uh, what a blessing. Well, I have a lot of announcements I want to make, but I'm not going to make none of them. So read your bulletin. Uh, we'll encourage you one announcement, one announcement. We need candy. We need lots of candy for the fall festival. So we'll do what we did like the, uh, we did the spring fling. We're going to put the big trough back there in the corner so you can see the candy accumulate. And what we want to do is see if we can reach the ceiling back there in that corner. And, uh, but we need lots of candy. So tomorrow night, if you can start bringing that and encourage you to do so, go to Walmart, just walk down the aisle there and grab three or four of those bags. Some of you really need to be convicted about buying some, you know, chocolate candy. <laughs> it can't just be all those little sweet tart thingies and little dumb dumb suckers and all those things, you know. Uh, some of it's got to be the good stuff because some of that ends up in the... No, I'm just kidding. may in, end up in a file cabinet somewhere, Brother Gentry. Huh? Anyway. Amen. Well, we do want to be a blessing to our community and looking forward to our biggest outreach, honestly. Our biggest outreach of the year, Fall Festival. Uh, we have averaged over the last few years a thousand, right at a thousand, every every Fall Festival, and God has used that in the past. And so, encourage you. You got the flyers, uh, the door knockers, you got the maps back there. Just encourage you, to be a part of that. Again, thank you. See you tomorrow night, same time, same station, and look forward to uh, the preaching and uh, the missionary. All right, I'm gonna have Brother Clark come and dismiss us in prayer, please. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message tonight, and Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that none of the missionaries could do the things that they do unless they've seen you high and lifted up. And Lord, we understand that's how that they can do that. And Lord, how we can give our children and how we can give our lives is the only way we can is when we see you high and lifted up. Lord, we thank you for that, and Lord, I just pray that Lord, as your spirit has touched hearts, Lord, that we'll follow through. Lord, bless uh, the remainder of our, our, our conference, Lord, and again, bring us back the next appointed hour. In Christ's name, amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.